the Urban Broadcast Collective brings together the best podcasts on cities and urban life. Subscribe to us on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Hello, this is Digital Dead Truth. Today I am talking to you from a Mac operating system. Would you like to choose a town, or would you like me to make a random selection? A random selection, please. You're listening to This Must Be The Place and this sort of offshoot experiment thing called Digital Death Trip. You're listening to Liz Taylor and Sarah and the trucks of the Northern Highway. So for a full explanation of what Digital Death Trip is, I suggest going back to the earlier episode of This Must Be The Place where we pilot Digital Death Trip. But I think in the interest of any realm of sanity, we have to give a quick recap. Digital Death Trip is this concept of using a customised software that Sarah's written to search um, Trove, which is Australia's digital archive, particularly the newspapers, for articles about towns and what we call tragedies, Mm -hmm. that it sort of gives you a a new look into historical events, a different time scale, etc. The name comes from something called Wisconsin Death Trip, which was a book from the 1970s that looked at some Wisconsin towns and collated all the all the darker things that happened there and this is a digital digital way of doing that and the experimental program which is called digital death trip last time we were on the podcast doing this we actually run it ran it sorry we done run it <laughs> we, done, we did it good we done gone good <laughs> we ran digital death trip and what the program did was Select completely at random. That's the key thing. That's what random, you random. Because otherwise, random, you pick yeah. things you want or know, or mm-hmm. etc. Picked at random some towns, and then for those towns, it randomly picked a tragedy, a mm-hmm. tragic thing that happened there, and it usually has this definite article thing. So, the results of our experiment, first running of it, uh, we got two main ones that are, that it selected a, an article mm-hmm. for. Two different towns in Victoria. So to clarify, it takes a list of locations in Victoria and randomly picks from that. Then goes off to the Trove digital newspaper archive and says, here is my random choice of town. What do you have on this town and tragedy? And then it pulls it back. And then it randomises our choice from that. It's random tragedy, random choice, random town. Everything's random. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, you can find out all sorts of things just by looking at one little town. Hopefully. So we started with, it selected a, a story from Kwantung, mm-hmm. I think it was pronounced, in uh, Western Victoria. I'm not following up on this one today. The one that I have done some follow-up research on is the second one. Tatura. Tatura. Hello, this is Digital Death Truth. Today I am talking to you from a Mac operating system. Would you like to choose a town, or would you like me to make a random selection? A random selection, please. Okay, I can do that. Please choose a data source for me to compile town names from. We're going to go for the public transport stops again. But we're going to be a bit more fussy when she she brings back anyone that's any town that's got a tricky... I found 1,116 unique Victorian towns in this data. 
My random town choice is Tatura. That's what fine. do you yes. think? See, I'm like, yes. <laughs> First of all, I like this town name because it only got one word in it. <laughs> you end up this is an example of us again like yeah. modifying our sense of what's okay based on what will work in the computer. Yes, yes. And that you know, the whole world of uh, <laughs> the there's world. a book I can recommend called You Are Not a Gadget. The amount of effort people go to to make computers look smart. <laughs> and then they go, Wow <laughs> I've just forgotten the last week I spent like preparing this thing for at the press of a button but yeah, anyway Tatura is a great name because it's not it's also fairly it's, it's not unambiguous. a common name it's mm-hmm. not a person's name now so. we've talked it up let's see what goes wrong alright so we're going to hear a bit about hey I will now see if I can find any newspaper references to a tragedy in Tatura Tatura <laughs> I now have 20 results on file would you like me to read a few headlines to get a sense of the tragedies in Tatura yes I would I'd like to hear a little bit about Tatura Mm-hmm. Even though you can't say it properly. Article 3, Year 1905, Headline The Tatura Tragedy. Article 8, Year 1905, Headline The Tatura Tragedy. Article year? 18, year. year 1905, again, Headline Tatura Tragedy. Melbourne, Friday. Article 19, Year 1905, Headline the Tatura tragedy. Shall I pick a random tragedy from this place? Or let me know if you would like to pick a specific article. Well, what this is saying, having that preview Mm -hmm. is because it's picking, they're not all the same articles, but they're all from 1905. So clearly Tatura is dominated by one. Something happened in 1905. So let's hear one article about that. It might not actually be this Mm -hmm. one because it's picking randomly from the first 20 results. That's correct. Yeah. So here we go. I would like a random one. Hey, let's see. Here is my random tragedy from Tatura. Article 8. Date. 1905, the 25th of April. Headline. The Tatura Tragedy. Content preview. I know arrest has been made in connection Cheyenne with the Tatura murder. Ashira states that he met Edwards at Ringwood Station, near Corona, last Tuesday, and Edwards left and made along Tlee Murray River. Dot. So, that was one tragedy from Tatura. What Would happened? you like me to get a copy of the whole article for you? Sure. Yes, please. So now what the the machine, sorry, code is going to do is retrieve Good luck. the article, Thank the full you. article, Goodbye. and the article in its context. Tatura tragedy selected for us was it's dated April 25th 1905 and I can see above I'm looking at the newspaper page now and above the one we got back from Trove is another classic olden days thing it says shooting, shooting fatality yep. but we got Tatura tragedy the headline underneath that and yep. Tatura tragedy is a very brief article no arrest has been made in connection with the Tatura murder a shearer states that he met Edwards at Ringwood Station near Corowa last Tuesday and Edwards left and made along the Murray River. So that's uh, yes. All now remembering we to the with. last time when we when we done run this program <laughs> last time it was like but what happened? There was an element of confusion that needed to be cleared up. Yep. Who got killed? Who is this person? And that was confusing to me at the time to the to the point that I thought maybe we'd have to like not choose that tragedy but it just needed clearing up i yep. remember at the time going but what what happened what, who died What's so that on? was the fun part of um i have it's not like i've spent um oodles of time on this but at various points 
since we ran the pilot, I've checked in on, on this story using the resources available, mainly the online ones, and see what I can find. And half the battle was finding out who was involved in this thing, who was murdered, who did the murder, I mean, what even happened? Why are they looking for someone called What was the year again? 1905. Yeah, what happened in Tatura in 1905? Because I remember there were lots of articles that came back and then we realised they were all for the same thing that mm-hmm. happened, yeah. It's a chronolo- it chronological bad. puzzle. Mm-hmm. And that's because the police were befuddled as well. So I thought I'd start, or one way to start, our first input into the story is when they're searching for someone called Edwards mm-hmm. around the Riverina area of Victoria, 1905. But the story actually starts when the body the is body. found. Yeah, who, uh, so who's Edwards? Who's the body? We oh. don't know that. Okay, so on. tracing back. So one thing to clarify is that sometimes this was called the Tatura tragedy. Mm-hmm. Other times, for reasons we'll discover, it was called the Gigari tragedy. Mm-hmm. That's another tiny irrigation town and occasionally called the what? Waranga tragedy. Ah, so different degrees of precision. Yep. Like with New Zealand actors. Yeah. They're they're from (laughs) Australia if they're good, and then if they've done something really bad, then they're from New Zealand, and then New Zealand will say that they're from like Christchurch. You actually said done then without being (laughs) ironic. (laughs) (laughs) They've done something really bad. Anyway, the first reference to the Tatura tragedy is finding the body, and the the story is a Tatura tragedy. A mutilated body found, supposed murder. So what happened, this is in 12th of April 1905, so... So to be a mutilated body without a murder, you'd have to be some sort of uh, incident with a machine, I think. It's the only way that you could be mutilated without oh, being no. murdered. You just haven't thought... Uh. You haven't thought about how comfortable olden days people were with with um, hand instruments. Ah. So the, what was happened was that a, a telegram has come from Tatura stating that the body of a man had been found in an irrigation channel at Gigari East, about eight miles from Tatura. So it's essentially in the countryside. That's a bit ambiguous about the location. And it was in a significant state of mutilation. The key thing was that its head had been cut off. Hmm. Not only that, its face had been cut off its head. And um, its uh, legs partially cut off and arms detached from the body, hands, etc., and it was wrapped up in a bag and dumped in the irrigation channel wow. and described as a profound mystery. And now, immediately they brought in um, a, a doctor to give a post-mortem and some policemen and what they called, we don't have time to go into this, black trackers, mm-hmm. it refers to Indigenous people being sort of corralled into, corralled into yeah. searching for things, um, that immediately formed the view that the body, oh, and disemboweled as well. Oh, God. He had eaten grapes recently, we know. From oh, wow. I've been eating grapes today. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when we were eating the so grapes before. So it was in April, right? So it's yeah. the end of the grape season. But the body's anyway. been there for a couple, they reckon a month or two. It's time for irrigation. At Mildura, Renmark, Wakiri, Paya, Paringa, the water is running between the vines. In January, February, the pickers will come from the cities to pick five million pounds worth of grapes. Okay. Um, oh my God. So, a, a pity the the boy a boy found it who was looking getting a drink of water. Wow, I bet he'd remember that for a long time afterwards. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't eat grapes again either. I bet. I'm not sure he saw the grapes part, but yeah. he may have. Yeah, had. had wow. It. So hang on. He had his head was off. But th- this is all most of the parts, not not the legs below his mm-hmm. knees, but yeah. most of the parts, although they were cut into pieces, they were mostly in the same bag, a bran bag, and then Ugh. which was dumped in the channel. So. 
the point was no one knew who the body was because it was so there was no face yeah um and it sounds it, a little bit like the in the pines song his head was found on a driving wheel and his body never was found but yeah this it's is like, like the next level of that yeah yep um and wow. parts of his body were with his head weirdly Ugh. so they had to send off the trackers to look for his for the body's legs Gee. but the face part i mean that made me no think of that face. terrible oh, Nicholas cage, cage face, off. face off so maybe maybe someone thought that they could take his face and then they could be him <laughs> they saw the Nicolas Cage movie, but the timeline doesn't fit, right? Yeah, but that, that's where my mind was going with this. Yeah, what can you recount the lyrics to In the Pines? Because it's a little bit um, What's in the, the pines, one? In the Pines, where the sun don't ever shine, I'd shiver the whole night through, and then this other bit that goes... Because this is one of those folk songs that varies significantly through the years, including uh, the Nirvana version uh, much later, but that through all the gazillion variations of this song, the one consistent element that it, is that it involves someone with their head getting cut off. So the one I'm most familiar with says, my husband was a railway, railroad man, um, killed a half a mile from here. His head was found on a driving wheel and his body never was found. In the pond, in the pond, where the sun never shines, I I do. My one was a real man, killing mile and a half from here. His head was found in a driver's wheel, and his body heaven for been found. So this is a, his head was found in a brand bag. In, in the irrigation channel, yeah. channel. His, his legs were later was found. found in a brand bag and his legs later were found and the, the doctor's saying and the police oh sorry the disemboweled part is pretty baffling um so it says the bag um was found by uh, someone called mr mclarty donald mclarty in an irrigation channel in gigari east uh, which divided the properties of Donald McClarty and Mr. G. Donaldson. When yesterday Mr. McClarty found a bag floating in the water, he first thought it contained a dead dog and asked the channel guard to remove it from the place at which it rested near a small bridge. Police were then called. It contained the dismembered remains of a man. The arms were pressed close to the trunk, but both legs had been cut off at the thighs and were missing. Whoa. The face had been cut from the mouth upwards and was also missing. The trunk had been slit with a sharp knife from the pit of the stomach downwards. The spot where the body was found is three miles from that Waranga Basin and eight miles from Tatura. The channel is the main one taking off from the National Channel. This is making me, it's part of being really revolting and horrible. Mm. Making me think of that other headline that was uh, suicide in water well, terrible waste of water. Like, <laughs> that would have been in the utilitarian. water. Utilitarian. Yeah. But this water goes on the, on the fruit and then drinking yeah. water and the whole. So people aren't sort of mentioning it in that way at this point. Anyway, yeah. the cutting away of the face of the corpse had evidently been done to baffle identification and the police considered that this will actually prove to be a serious obstacle to the so it was actually quite effective so we actually can i do a shout out to the podcast everyone knows about at this point which uh teacher's pet Mm -hmm. um the uh complete must have been really revolting attention to detail of not having a body unfortunately is quite advantageous if you are going to do something nefarious either not having the body identifiable or having no body at all can put you in good steed if you have reasons to be charged with murder. Yeah, and really, say, it comes out on a few of these. Could be some other guy, or they're not dead at all. Crime generally, it's, mm. I mean, the body is the start. If you don't know who it is or have a body, then it's mm. not really much of a crime to start with. So, this is where they're starting with. And then the, the articles, so this is in early April, and then the subsequent articles are all about 
victim not yet identified, you know, police uh, baffled. So mm-hmm. it's just describing the detective from Melbourne arrived at Tatura and it's yeah, repeating murder is taking the utmost precaution to conceal the identity of the victim and that mm. describes the mutilation again and also weighted down I think to um, oh. there's some suggestion that the person was killed while they were asleep I don't know how they came up with that idea uh, cut into pieces put in a bag and transferred to the water channel so at this point they all they know about the victim is that it's a man mm-hmm. so they've done a post-mortem um, and found a penis a well-developed man mm-hmm. of large stature and muscular build says in the prime of life what right that so then maybe that's the sleeping theory is they figure that if it was someone that strong they would have tried to fight yeah, someone yeah. off and no sleep. signs of struggle or something yeah. yeah yeah it makes sense and here's that i mean a lot of these olden days crime things that because i've done other stuff in more detail on them what can frustrate you after a while is that actually these reports are often so inconsistent uh. so here it says the bag was seen by a boy who was getting a drink of water and, and the, the other, other one said was, it was the, the dude right yeah exactly yeah. and they just go on like that and that becomes a theme later yeah. on that this inconsistency and stuff that they report but they're so confident about them <laughs> yeah yeah it's quite confusing uh precision not accuracy yeah, so yeah. official report by the doctor at this point man 30 to 45 years old mm-hmm. grape skins in stomach probably killed by injuries to the head legs cut away by a method mm-hmm. of rough surgery so they think just a sore an axe <sighs> Yeah. Now, this is the point where you get a sense of the kinds of people they think the victim is and who the murderer might be. Because it's near Waranga. Now, Waranga is a, a, a what do we call it? A dam? Mm-hmm. Not far from Tatura, yeah. which was the first significant dam project in Victoria or even Australia. Yeah. And they at this point, they were building it. Or rather, they'd built large chunks of it and were still working on it. And yeah. At this point, there were still 250 men working at the Waranga Basin camp and yeah. a short distance so, from where so these doing, so the like those farmers they mm. had the channel and stuff how long had they been there with a channel to irrigate with I think the water had only arrived like a couple of years ago right so but they'd always so, already been farming so yeah. they're just changing their farming practices as the channel is improved and right. things are so are it's cut. a big project a big infrastructure it takes project. like about 10 10 years to finish I think mm-hmm. I did get some more info on that Fred uh, told him as we walked away from the station, you've come to one of the richest valleys in Australia. Not that it looks much like a valley around here and now, but the Goulburn River runs right through these plains. How long have you been out here, Mr. Shepherd? Since 1912, Fred, and it was just as flat then as it is today, but more scrub and bushland. The valley was mostly grazing country in the early days. They tell me that about 1890 they started irrigating, and as the channel spread out from the river, more orchards were planted. By 1912, orchards were coming more to the forefront. And it's still there, of course. Mm-hmm. The, the big wall that they built is still there. One spooky thing I found reading about the Ronga Basin now is that they get really significant, because the way that the thing is put together, it's kind of like, I'm not even sure what river it's dealing with or whatever, but it ends up being more like a plug than what we might think of as a dam. Uh. It's like a quite short thing at the end of a large yeah. uh, funneled uh, depression and they get really big waves like Ew, sometimes they're saying like the people that work on the on the um dam or whatever they'll say like you can get two meter high oh, waves so the that. headline here was from a few years ago it says surf 
Surf, an ongoing headache at Waronga Basin, 200 kilometers from the sea. The designers of the giant Waronga Basin near Shepparton could never have imagined surf, surf would be such a headache. Um, because it's sort of something about being so labor, uh, sorry, so narrow. <laughs> so it's like a little, like, you know, when you're in the bath yeah. and you kind of go back at, and then there's this huge, like, shoo, 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 of yeah, all the water. Yeah. yeah. The basin is loved by anglers and recreational skiers, but everyone is spooked by the regular two meter waves belting across the basin's 58 square kilometer surface. Ugh. You can be out in a boat and the surface is glass smooth, but as soon as you see a ripple in the water, it's time to get to shore. So, and they've got yeah. some pictures here of it being built. And, and even in this article, it doesn't mention anything about that specific story, but it says mm-hmm. in 1905, when hundreds of men lined up with their shovels on their shoulders and drove horse teams to move mountains of earth to harness the Goulburn, there you go, Goulburn River, mm-hmm. and build Australia's first major dam, it was an incredible undertaking. So it started in 95 and finished in 1908. So this is really early days of the irrigation was mm-hmm. happening. And when the murder happened, they thought it has to be connected to... We don't have to, but that's the sort of line of reasoning. There's so many workers. Somewhere in this article, this is from the Weekly Times, this uh, from a history by Joyce Hammond of the history of the Wronga Basin. A rowdy township sprang up behind the basin bank during its construction. Many, like a shanty town? Yeah. Oh, a campsite. Yeah. I think it's now Wronga Shores Caravan the Park. Caravan which, Park. Yeah. I hope to go to. Many dead bodies were buried in the bank as a result of brawls. Wow, that's the start of that's a horror movie. That's sort of a, a, yeah. ru- a ruin, I think. Yeah. Brian Williams from the Tatura Irrigation and Wartimes Camps Museum said that the claim was believed to be true, although no one knew how many people were buried in the wall or who they were. Wow. So this story, the Tatura tragedy, I think is probably in a similar kind of yeah. explanation yeah. to there. Well, like, we actually, we know it is, but um, that's the way they're already thinking, is mm-hmm. that there's 250 men there. Not that far from this basin i mean this this channel where they found the body yep yeah Uh, and it says description the men are of the usual navvy class being neither better nor worse a navvy is a laborer i think prone to quarrel i love this line prone to quarrel or to be hilarious and enjoy themselves on pay nights oh hilarious that's a funny use of that word but then it says constable lorem who is charged of the place has not missed any of the regular employees but Mm -hmm. it also mentions Scores of men, however, come and go without any notice being taken of them. And the whole of the district is traversed by rabbiters who usually camp in pairs and who, as a rule, have horses and carts. Mm -hmm. Many of the rabbiters are men who have been accustomed to a clerical occupation but have been forced to take up rabbiting through being unable to obtain other employment. Mm -hmm. And it mentions another case where some other rabbiting pair. So they camp in pairs going from... Site to site, they'd be working on the dam, catching rabbits, shearing, etc. And they're usually camped in pairs with, with their mate. So they're saying they think it might be something to do with that, but it's hard to say who it is because nobody keeps that much yeah. track of, of yeah, these people guys. coming and going here. So that's a theme in this, in this case is that anonymity of mm-hmm. male working yeah, men. Yeah, they're just like not, not exactly trans, but like just if I think of like olden days books, Ishmael in Moby Dick, he's like, I'm going to go to sea. Yeah. I'm just going to, you know, I don't need a CV and stuff. I'm just going to rock up and, you know, get some work. Do some work yeah. and, and see where not, it takes me. Not yeah. not working and you're just on your way to somewhere else and ha- being hilarious, as they say. Yeah. So you're, the occupation, you, if you really boil it down, mm. if you put on their, their um, tax return, occupation, being a man. They say labourer. Yeah. On so their just occupation like thing. Doing manly stuff. Or navvy. Mm-hmm. And so context here, I mean, there's certainly some level of national identity forming around this kind mm-hmm. of man because mm-hmm. you had things like the shearers strike uh, yep. in queensland in the 1890s that was 
I guess, formative and asserting that as a, as a pretty uniquely Australian or something to be proud of or whatever. But it's also 10 years before World War One. Because they're mobile, right? Yeah, it's they're like, independent and mobile. Yeah, the mobility is probably a key part of it because you think of like back in the old country somewhere in, in Europe, it's pretty hard to do an uprising when you're a peasant and you're sort of tied to a particular place because you're pretty pretty stuffed if it doesn't work. And these uh, shearers yeah. apparently, uh, I'm sure there were sort of people at the edges that weren't in the she- shearing mm-hmm. group themselves, often owned some land and then they would go shearing when they felt like it and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So they had a bit more security than maybe perhaps some of, some of the people in that group. Yeah, they weren't desperately dependent upon it. Definitely yeah. not. Well, I think back in the old country, like, you know, you had the, the much um, maligned travellers yeah, yeah. So somehow travelers here it wasn't. It's as only bad. men. I think it's part of yeah, it. Yeah, travelers have whole fam, whole family, which mm-hmm. is usually not considered such a desire. Maybe a few thing. chickens and stuff for good measure. Just like something out of a movie. These men are distinctly single. Just a no single women. male. Yeah. The next news we had. So that's the context mm-hmm. we're talking about. Somewhere between um, itinerant workers, shearers. The other word we didn't use was uh, swagmen. Swagmen. I looked it up and also consulted my parents. Tended to mean. I mean, it was a similar lifestyle, but tended to mean an older man. Oh, like an old prospector in Toy yeah. Story 2, the prospector. Like, you're just an old dude. And, and there was kept... a really good Twilight Zone episode about that, old prospectors. And they're yeah. perhaps more on the side of, they're either just camping mm-hmm. or sometimes they're asking for a handout. They're not yeah. generally looking for work. Itinerant so a swagman has to be old. So it seems. And they've sort of given up mostly but these men had coming swag. back into the life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. These, these men had swag, but they weren't called swagmen. They were called workers or yeah. navvies. Rabbiters. Mm-hmm. They were occasionally also called something called sundowners, which I always thought was just a nice word for a view or something. That's the name of a few hotels and yeah, stuff, the, the sundowner. It's yeah. a kind of cynical name for um, men that um, were itinerant, looking for work, and then they would have a sort of relationship where you'd ask for food and mm-hmm. lodgings in exchange for a bit of work, but they'd characteristically turn up at sundown so they wouldn't have to do any work uh-huh. and get fed first. So it's kind of like a backhand of sun. There's a sundowner. Yeah. Here comes the guy looking for work. Sort of clever but lazy. Yeah. Just, yeah. Right. On the points of the globe, not well known for their niceties. Over and over, a story unfolding. The music most wanted by the people most not with just a place to go a place to go a place to go and a place to leave so that's the, the kind of scene we're in they suspect but they still don't know who who they are but then there's a breakthrough a couple of weeks later so we're still in april 1905 there's evidence and it's a little bit complicated, but suddenly they know pretty much for certain who the murderer is and yeah. who the victim is. In a town called Murchison, which is More also that area. just yeah. sort of the other side of the Royal yeah. Basin. Yeah, so it's near the Hume Highway, right? Someone turned up and sold a horse and cart to, mm-hmm. to a publican yeah. and said his name was William Skinner. But the publican was like, oh, I know William Skinner and I know this horse and cart and that's yeah. not William Skinner. Oh. And that same, the very same man the next day went to the bank and sent the money, like a hundred pounds, to someone called George Edwards, who lives Mm -hmm. in what was called Germantown, now called Holbrook. Oh, Holbrook submarine, yeah. So the police... So how long after the murder was this? Well, after the bodies found, it's about two weeks. When they found the body, they thought it had been there maybe um, a month or two. Yeah, okay. 
as as it happens, we know it actually happened in March. That makes more with the with the grapes thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. March fourth. So the police came to the view that someone called James Edwards, who's uh, sent, not a very sent, Googleable name. No, yes. I've had real trouble with that. <laughs> um, he's the one that sent the money that yeah. he got from selling the horse and cut, and he yeah. pretended to be William Skinner, ah. and William Skinner was dead. Dead. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, his name, if you haven't made the connection, is a yeah. little bit creepy. Creepy. Like William Disembowler. Yeah. Skinner. Well, well yeah. the victim is called Skinner, and yeah. he had his face skinned Skin, off. Skinned off. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was, uh, and so the police are onto it. They think. This must be James Edwards is the murderer. Mm-hmm. They're in follows. associated with it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also because it fitted with this model that they had in their mind that it was probably a pair of mates travelling yeah. together and they probably... Yeah, sticking together. So two... And it, since these two people were known in the district to be this kind of person... The shifty people, yeah. yeah. That's what they thought. So but the then a police um, warrant goes out and everyone's looking for them. There's a, an element of hilarity to it here because... Everybody's looking for this man, and all these reports are coming in. Of you know, I saw James him in Adelaide. Or something. Yeah, James, someone saw James Edwards, yeah. the murderer, alleged. They didn't yeah. use those words then. They just said the murderer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they saw him in Adelaide. They saw him in Coral. They saw him everywhere. And because they saw a scary man. Yeah, yeah. and all I'm, I knew that man, and I saw him here. And there's hilarious thing in the, the. I found the Police Gazette where they have the description of who they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Which becomes extra funny because later on, when Edwards is actually found, he's like, "That's not my photo, and it's not doesn't." I don't. Ah, hang on. So they just got it all mixed up. Yeah, but they got the the victim wrong too. No, they, yeah. the victim was right. It was the right person, yeah. right murderer. It's just all the information the police had that yeah. they put in their uh, description was kind of yeah. wrong. Oh, That's why on. they. So who the victim was? Edward Skinner. Victim was. Uh, yeah, William Skinner. William Skinner, sorry. Yep. And Edward James. I always get my uh, yeah, cause they're both Anglo names all names. muddled. That he was the murderer. Yep. It's just that when the police put out their, here we go, the police could gazette saying, here's the gazette from um, oh, photo. The start of May. Uh, on the 11th, a body minus head and legs of oh, a man God. since ascertained to be that of William Skinner yep. of Waranga Basin was found by the channel guard in a water channel at Gigari East near Tatura. <laughs> Already, there's like three slightly inconsistent things there. Yeah. But anyway, head and legs were found on the 14th of April. Jeez. In the same channel, but three miles further away. Whoa. Skinner was last seen alive on the 4th of March at the Warringah Basin camp. Oh, he was at that yeah, camp. Yeah, right. and he'd been gambling there. Um, yeah, and having hilarity. Yeah, yeah, being hilarious. Yeah. The government offered the award 200 pounds for finding this person mm-hmm. um and the, the reason they've given the man uh, gave the name of skinner sold a horse and dray the property of william skinner to james o'keefe the licensee of the perseverance hotel in murchison east and he sold it to the wrong dude because yeah, yeah. the dude knew who yeah, that yeah. was and yeah. then they've got a photo here that's not him that's what i said <laughs> some random person the police thought it was him but it wasn't yeah him. and this description of edwards it's not totally wrong but it's wrong enough to be um mm. threw everyone off they're yeah. like i saw him i was like no that's because you a, saw someone who fitted that description. about 40 years of old age five foot ten inches high well built slightly stooped patchy i like this patchy baldness not noticeable with hat on <laughs> yeah <laughs> lost one or more upper front teeth brown hair etc this funny um Fond of using the expression, there's no crawfish about me. Oh, that's funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> Everyone has their own little expressions. That was in, um, I remember a movie with um, Mel Gibson yeah. where, where he's doing some kind of um, 
kidnapping thing. He's mm-hmm. not the ki- he's the person who's trying to get the kidnapped mm. person back. And Gary Oldman um, uses the phrase "shouldn't be a problem." That's right. Yeah. And then he puts the two and two yeah. together. No crawfish about me. He's a shearer, a gambler, a two-up player. Frequent cu- frequents country race courses. Drinks heavily when able. Talks about fighting. Quiet when sober. He sounds really great. Yeah. Oh, no. That, but the that, photo's wrong. The and then the fact that you can see that person many places. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. I know that guy. So much hilarity. And that's at the point where the machine picked us the article. It's yeah. like, we saw, we saw him here. Headline, the Tatura tragedy. Content preview. I know arrest has been made in connection Cheyenne with the Tatura murder. Ashira states that he met Edwards at Ringwood Station, Nicarona, last Tuesday, and Edwards left and made along to the Murray River. I was like, no, we won't. Yeah, and that's what I remember looking through that. I was going, what? Who? Who are they and looking it says, for? Uh, you know, arrest of Edwards, suspected murder is expected hourly. Mm-hmm. Someone saw him. No, someone saw him somewhere else. Still at large, so we're getting well into May now. Mm. Someone said they saw him in somewhere else, not whatever. Mm-hmm. It goes on and he's eventually arrested in Benalla. And then you get to the point where first he says he's someone else and then he goes, yeah, no, you're right, that's me. And he can, gave a full confession. So that's wow. when we get to the point where we actually find a lot more about him. Did he him. say why he's cut his face off and stuff? Exactly, as they guess to stop. Oh, just so to, he couldn't be caught. Okay, yeah. right. so they, I mean, they will write about that. They won't write about much, yeah. <laughs> about much else. And it's funny in this one where we get the he, he gives a What's full with the legs though. Um, he thought. So no, I think there's fewer, run after fewer parts. That were, oh yeah, yeah, it makes it harder and harder. Yeah. But actually, although there's a lot in and the disemboweling, that's just because he, he thought it would make the body sink. Like because oh, you know the gas. Oh um, yeah, that's true. Goes up in yeah, your that's stomach. Kind of perverse logic in that. Yeah. Full confession. So here we go. This is why he did it. Mm-hmm. According to the oh yeah that old chestnut. You say that someone attacked you because yep. um, they're dead and they can't argue against it. Yes. It worked for him. Yeah. Or sort of. Yeah. So here's the headline after he's arrested. And there's quite a lot of curiosity about him because of the mutilation and things yeah. like that. Yeah. People thought he might be a really spooky dude. Like Jack the Ripper, basically. <laughs> but he quickly yeah. seems like a pretty un- unremarkable at least uh, in terms of how he acted. Yeah. So, and not in that kind of sinister doctor way. So it wasn't as exciting as they thought. Yeah. But everyone's really interested in this mm-hmm. murder because of the mm-hmm. gruesome details. Maybe he worked in an abattoir. So he's, was... he's done all sorts of work. And that's what yeah. you hear from this, is, this like point. In that book that I was reading the other day about the, a bush kid's life, mm. um, she she was a, like a, you know, a tween girl. Mm. She was regularly called upon to kill and skin the sheep on the dead ones. Yeah, as well. the dead ones. So you know, you get pretty handy at I'd that say, kind of thing. And he talks about his life, and that's pretty much just a life of wandering around doing a lot of different work. So yeah, you put your mind to cutting up a human body. I guess it's a similar kind of thing. I'll just quickly interject here to say about William Skinner, who is the victim. Mm-hmm. His character gets besmirched a bit in the trial. Ah. But one interesting fact about him, I went on the Ancestry websites, genealogy, mm-hmm. etc. He's easy to find because of his name. He's an unusual name, yeah. He's from quite a well-to-do family in a Hawkesbury region. Because he owned things, right? Yeah, yeah. Hawkesbury and that, region of New South Wales. That would account for also wanting to make him anonymous because yeah. Yeah, like people would know who he is and there might be more consequences because he's well off. Yep. Yeah, and although his family was far away, he was generally a fairly wealthy person. From the Hawkesbury River, person. that's a long yeah, way. Yeah, okay. called uh, Richmond or something yeah, like yeah. that. And his whole family's written up on a website called... Um, Australian royalty, something about yeah, it. Well, the, does it mention that bit? The no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's about his family and the, and the Skinners yeah. seem to still be in the region being fairly 
well off. So that's the kind of background to him. Wow, his. so relatively wealthy. In fact, quite wealthy or just relatively? Relatively, and he's one of eight children, so he's, yeah. he's taken his comparative wealth on the road. Yeah. But he's also an itinerant worker. It's just that yeah. he has the horse, he's got the cart, he's got the kind of better connections and things like that yeah. because he's from a, a mm-hmm. better family. Uh, full confession. Edwards admits the crime. Result of a fit of passion. Declares he was attacked. Interview with prisoner. Story of his amusements. Here that is How long is this after the body was found? This is in May, so it's basically um, just over a month mm-hmm. after they found the body. Surprising level of uh, achievement on the part of law enforcement there. Well, this, yeah. <laughs> in this article, it's so funny. He says, while after, so after he did the murder, etc., basically he went on a drinking binge. But oh then he God. said, I just went around doing stuff I normally did. I, I was convinced I was going to get caught, so I didn't even bother trying not to be caught. Oh, like, yeah. He made no effort at all. Yeah. And here he says... Um, it's inconsistent with his chopping the face off bit, but um, anyway. In his cell, yeah. Edwards did not display any reserve... Yeah, that's right. Yeah. ...whatsoever in relating his movements. I often saw the age, he said, when I was tramping about and read a lot about myself. Uh, my movements after leaving Murchison were, were published quite correctly, but I don't know why there should have been any trouble about following me at all. I never tried to hide. I just went around looking for work with my swag, same as I've done for years. There was a time when I used to ride through the country and look for work with a couple of good horses. Uh, and it goes on about his life. So he says yeah. he um, eventually was just caught. He, ha- he had actually looked some some police officers full in the face and they hadn't arrested him. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, the fact that this article still says excellent the, the, work by police, yeah. is, <laughs> <laughs> mm, okay. that's being pretty generous. So it's not through necessarily... I think the way they connected the stuff in Murchison was clever yeah but all their search efforts and stuff all seem to be bullshit yeah yeah they didn't find anything useful and in the end he was just found because he more or less walked up. yeah but they were correct in in estimating what had happened yeah, that it was yeah. A... but here what can we learn from this this is before the did you trial. say what can we learn from <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> it's infecting me <laughs> um this is ahead of his trial and he's about to plead not guilty because he said it was in self-defense in, in a manner of a brawl said blah 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 pleaded not guilty admission of identity he says oh you know well enough i'm jim edwards jim being short for james i thought i was as well known around these parts as any man here place in a cell etc prisoner described uh anyone expecting to see in james edwards a man of brutalized hangdog looking type would be mistaken i think he just looked like a sort of normal guy yeah um so uh his countenance does not material or differ from the cut cast a face of hundreds of men in similar works of walks of life tanned and seamed by exposure to the weather and scarred mm-hmm. by rough knocks encountered in the course of a strenuous back blocks life yeah it's totally about this way of life and again yeah. stress this is before world war one so we haven't put this together with the idea of an anzac either it's no just it hadn't been made person. a heroic thing it's just a yeah hanging around kind of guy describes his shirt wears dungarees etc wears a he looks like a respectable working man he yeah. says Confesses his guilt. Uh, were you the man who sold the horse and Dre and Murchison? Yes, I am the man. Where'd you get the horse and Dre? Got it from Skinner. How much did you get for it? I don't remember exactly. I was drunk at the time. Uh, 
Uh, I'd done for him in the heat of passion. We get, we get, we're getting infected from these old <laughs> yeah, days, people. So. Darn it. What he hit him with. So we were playing two up. This is an old gambling game on the road to Waranga. Which was made socially acceptable by World War One. Yep. Yeah, I won uh, about 12 pounds on off him. Skinner went into Waranga and was playing Hazard. I looked this up. It's another gambling game. Wow, it sounds like a lost, computer game. lost to time. Yeah. So they had been gambling and uh, Skinner lost. And then mm-hmm. Skinner went off to try and, I guess, win back his his uh, position at the camp in Waranga. Yeah. And when he, uh, his wild, came back and he'd lost all his money. Uh-oh. I barracked him, meaning sort of uh, teased him about yeah. winning money off him. And he went for me with a shovel. I picked up an axe and killed him first. The mistake I made was not reporting the matter at once to the police. <laughs> mm-hmm. What did you do with him then? I put him in the tunnel where he's found. After I cut him, it doesn't go into that. I'm leaving out some key details there. <laughs> Suddenly this part isn't so interesting to people. Mm. So here is this, this is a segue into my work on drinking. How mm-hmm. does he explain his actions? Headline, drink has driven me to this. That doesn't sound like it helped. No, or, yeah. yeah, but it's certainly his... Um... So here he describes his life. It's fascinating turns of phrase here i've worked hard lived hard drunk hard and fought hard but hard work has bought hard drink and hard drink has yeah. taught me hard living and i wish to god i had broken my right arm so i could not have worked for a curse oh yeah intense, yeah so i wish i never had any means of making a living because that just meant that i had means with which to buy alcohol yeah. and be, come, come to ruin and then he describes his his more detailed what his work he's done I've worked at everything that's going, shearing, navvying, fencing, sawing, woodcutting, driving, plowing, harvesting. Use the sawing to saw the body. <laughs> yep. Mining, any kind of work at all that comes my way, I tackle. And I work hard when I'm at it. A horse today, a hog tomorrow. A human body the yeah. next day. Yes. <laughs> and an unhappy man, I just read, uh, yep. etc. Um, so how old was he when he did, done, did the murder? <laughs> done, did. Uh, he's, uh, I looked it up. He's 40. He's also 40. Five, yeah, mid forties. He's almost going to become a swagman. Yeah, he's getting yeah. older. Yeah, never married. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he says um, his re- movement since the murder. He's moving around this. He re- describes the area that he knows, like the back of his hand. Uh, mm-hmm. All this country around the Riverina and the Murray district is a bo- like a book to me. I've tramped and ridden it all over since I was a kid. As it happens, the ins- the um, inspector who arrested him. Knew him already. This yeah. is the sort of thing they like to report in the olden days. Turning to Sub-Inspector Ward, who was in the cell, Edwards reminded the officer of a previous meeting between them years ago. You ought to know me, Mr. Ward, he said. We've been in a tight place together. When was that? Years ago, when you came up to arrest a man and we met on the river, and she was in a roaring flood. I was driving books. We both mm-hmm. had to cross and we swam her together. Oh, yeah. I remember it well, replied Sub-Inspector Ward. And you were the young fellow who tackled the river with me that day. Well, I'm sorry to meet you here. You were a plucky young lad and worth something better. But here's, in in terms of that police work, headline incorrect descriptions. All those yarns about me being in other states are lies. Uh, He's from the river area. He's never gone anywhere else. Yeah, so people would just, uh, you know... um not not exactly imagining, but hopefully seeing mm. doing signings. I'm, I'm still stuck on the mental image of the policeman remembers him from tackling this wild river, mm. and then he spends his life working around these watercourses and making watercourses, and one of which is this basin that has scary big waves. It feels like he's just, and then he puts the body in the water as well. And there's the yeah. rumours about other bodies being in. The yeah, dam. yeah. It has this sort of horror movie or 
like uh, you know that song, the the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, about lakes not giving up their dead and That's stuff right. like that. It's got a spooky, you know, the 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 watercourses will eat you. They'll get you in the end. And I like the thing. way he turns it around in terms of saying like, my life, I've worked hard and drank hard, and I wish I hadn't been able to work so hard because then I wouldn't have drank so hard. <laughs> he hasn't been in- <laughs> introduced to modern logic on what's wrong with people these days. It's because the. <laughs> The modern logic is they're, not they're drinking because they're not working. It seems like this is a long history in Australia of people just drinking too much. Um, and there's a certain assumption that if you just give them a job, then they won't drink so much. I'm not sure. They hadn't applied this one yet. Yeah. Oh, I also noticed that uh, he's done so many interesting jobs. He's been a sawman. He's been a oh my God. shearer. He's was he a bagger a on a wheat farm? Then we he get said the full... He's a chef so bagger. All yeah, these he skills he's put together bags. into murdering Williams. He's King. a hard worker. Any job, he puts himself to it. Yeah. And then it says, again, that they got all his description wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not my photograph. Oh, um, God. I've never even had a photograph taken in me, in me life. Yeah. And worse... I never say there's no crawfish on me. At least, <laughs> at least, not that I recollect. If I said it, I must have been drunk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. So, so what a strange. Detail. Yeah. Who didn't say there's no crawfish on me? <laughs> His life. He grew up around Ye. Mm-hmm. Ye, the town of Ye. I had a pretty rough times when I was a nipper, but I wasn't a bad kid. And I wouldn't be a bad man now if it wasn't for the damned drink. Mm-hmm. For the sort of pedants amongst people that probably enjoy hearing about what's in his bag with probably a little too yeah. much information, just sort of screwdrivers and axes and things like that. Yeah, um, for doing miscellaneous sort of work. work yeah. yeah, and, and a sort of really simple clothes, etc. Yeah, but and having an axe and a saw and stuff, you know, that does seem to be relevant to the thing, you know, and that he had these things on hand. This part, again, I think this headline is a bit ambitious. To conclude, the age says, good work by the police. Didn't say great. <laughs> says pretty <laughs> good. Like, remember you used to have a, like a stamp? For, yeah, merit like, stickers. And it said pretty, pretty good. good. It was a pretty backhander. Pretty good. Damning with faint praise. So the summary of the murder, the, they'd, had, they'd been travelling together. They were both gamblers. He teased Skinner about his gambling. Were they the mates or they just They two? were mates, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because Skinner went to the camp and came back. They were camping yeah. a little way away. Yeah. They were, they were travelling together. Mm-hmm. Killed during a fight. It involved a spade versus an axe. Axe won. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, once he actually gets to the trial, there's, uh, that's when the things about his character comes up, as in Skinner's character. And that's yeah. why I, I think um, ultimately... It's, he doesn't uh, get convicted of murder, just to cut the cut to the chase. Uh-huh. So during this, it goes to the Supreme Court in July of 1905. Yep. And one of the head ma- headlines there is Dead Man's Temper. Um, and it, there are people describing how Skinner was someone that, um, you know, had a short temper. Yep. And, and easily um, often threatened to kill people. And they had two witnesses saying that. Yep. Uh, also, it says um, when they first met 
Edwards told witness told Edwards that Skinner would see he had plenty of tucker as he had money. Skinner was definitely wealthier yeah. than the other guy. But so they managed. He was slumming it almost. Yeah, yeah, there's an element to that. And um, and He's there's like some the of characters in On the Road. Yeah. Here is even an article. Uh, trial of Edward Skinner's reputation, a bad-tempered fellow, and it is really rough because the guy's dead. Yeah, it's easy to talk about people when they're dead. They yeah, can't. Yeah. yeah. But here, here, this gives a little insight into what it was like tramping in a pair. Mm-hmm. They say the prisoner recalled that when he and Skinner arranged to travel together, they were to find provisions between them. He did not share the deceased tent, but slept out in the open. They'd spent about so they they sort of shared their money and campsites, mm-hmm. traveled together. A storekeeper in Tokemore recalled Skinner as a quick-tempered man, once threatened to knock someone's head off. People were afraid of him. And someone else said he was bad-tempered. So mm-hmm. then this is a little... seems to have more weight than the, to, on the jury's minds yeah. anyway than the fact that... Let's be reminded. The doctor says that um, Edwards killed him with an axe from the back of his head. Yeah. And then he cut him up and cut off his face. Yeah. So And but, his legs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the defence was very persuasive. I don't know who the defence lawyer is. Uh, Mr. Maxwell, in addressing the jury on the part of the accused, said Edwards was a hard-working man. Well, yeah, one he failing, did a great job of chopping up that body. His one failing was drink. So he's not denying he killed him, but saying that they were in a fight and wasn't premeditated, and if he hadn't have killed him, then Skinner would have killed him. So he was convicted of manslaughter and not murder as mm. a result. Now, in the olden days, that was, I guess, a big deal because... What he did he have to do to get convicted of murder? I mean, yeah. yeah premeditation... So it was a critical thing. Which is strongly biased towards particular kinds of people again, more likely because if yeah, you're yeah. weak enough that you have to premeditate, then yeah, having gonna... a, a manly fight generally was not going to lead to. So a... if you're just r- randomly violent all the time, then it's better off. Pretty right? much because yeah. you don't think about it. Yeah, <laughs> don't think about it. That's <laughs> that's, that's important. That's still a principle in, in criminal law. He got manslaughter. I mean, that's he escaped. He would have been hanged. Mm-hmm. probably if he'd been convicted yeah. of murder so it was a, a victory in that sense but he was convicted of manslaughter but still he got sentenced to 12 years hard labor which is pretty yeah yeah intense did he survive that yes and that's where i get to some other little fines i i got one thing i was not able to so by the time he comes out it's after it's, world war one it's, it's the start he would be a hero by it's the time April, he comes no, out no no it's 1905 he yeah. serves 12 years yeah i oh, know he get he must get released early because i found his yeah. uh, prison record here we get Ah, so I've got behavior. his full, and I've got three photos Wait, of him. Actual, that looks nothing like the other photo. Yeah, exactly, because it's not him. Yeah, and it's got three photos. That, I think they're different points of time because he's aging. They look very jail. different. Yeah, yeah. So what we know from the prison record is that he was born in 1859. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he was convicted of manslaughter. Wow, so we've got photos of him. I guess when mm-hmm. he first went in, and then as he's older. And I think this is hmm. um, the last photo I found a little bit intense. Look, that's him. Oh, they worked him hard. He looks very, very tired, tired and his yeah. eyes look have Sunken. that yeah. fire off stare. Yeah. In fact, if you yeah, I feel like you could look into those eyes and see the photographer and yeah, do the zoom in and yeah. Um, so he that's probably a photo taken right before he is released. He's wow. not. It's not a full twelve years. He's um, free to boil some weird old olden days terms. He's actually released. Uh, in February of 1914. Right. By that stage, he would have been about 19... Oh, sorry. He would have been about 55 years old. Yep. We know from his prison records and some other things, I looked at genealogy records, mm-hmm. etc., that he was born in somewhere around Yea, yep. as in Y-E-A, 
1859, both his parents were dead because he said that in a thing. He's got yeah. brothers and sisters because that's how he got caught. He was sending the money. Oh, yeah. His yeah. sister lived in Yay and his brother lived in Holbrook. Mm-hmm. But I still, I couldn't find when he died um, and what happened. I can't imagine it was, I mean, there was no age pension. No. Until, oh, no, there was by then, but I'm not sure if someone would be eligible. It yeah. would have been a grim, maybe that explains the expression on his face. So um, what happens now? What now? Yeah. But then we have to remember that he did murder someone and, and um, cut them up and put him in a bag in an irrigation channel. So yeah. that's the, the story. I think some of the themes that come out, one is this, the whole nature of work in early 20th century Australia and... The, at least men's work. Yeah, like the theme. professional man. And is it an Australian theme? I, I wonder, because the word tramp is used in Wisconsin Death Trip. They, yeah, they yeah. often talk about tramp armies. Mm-hmm. But in, in America, it has a particular meaning of former Civil War veterans. Yeah, yeah. And this War is bits. not the case here. So similar words, but all different circumstances seem to be associated with places that are... I guess frontiery, yeah. colonial places. It's been colonial just gives that sort of remit for people to just wander around. Because like there's, you know, they've kind of trampled over whoever lived there before and they're like, I'll just wander around. And that seems a bit harder to do if, you know, things are more um, said or orderly. Yeah. Well, um, you know, maybe if you're tramping in another country, you would tramp your way over to Australia. Also, it's a characteristic of, I can't remember, but the sex ratio in Australia at this mm-hmm. point was quite extreme mm-hmm. not a, not as extreme as like tasmania in the 1830s but there would be far more men than women so yeah. a lot of men would would never marry so that's in, that's in here whether it's uniquely australia i'd like to do some more reading and find out i know a lot of yeah. people would have written about the swag man both as a thing as an experience in itself and also as a mythology yeah and of uh, course i heard this morning being australia day um mm. they were playing uh waltzing matilda yeah, once a jolly today. swag. They were playing it on the bagpipes, which is just an odd too, combination. You think about it and you go, wait. But it sounded really good. And that's about a shifty character who steals a sheep. And there's also uh, this famous story called The Loaded Dog, which is about three friends by Henry Lawson, mm-hmm. I think. Three friends tramping together, and then there's some hilarity where they. Hmm. Uh, it's sort of hilarious, but sort of gross and mean as well. They, they're trying to fish by using dynamite. Yeah. But then their dog, who's a little bit stupid, oh, thinks it's a great game mm-hmm. and keeps falling around returning the stick to them. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Ends badly. Not not yeah. necessarily for everyone, but... Yeah. Um, and I think of Henry Lawson. I know his mother would have lived a fairly frontiersy kind of life, but he was very urbane. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would have been writing... That's at, at that time, I guess, where um, that that world can start to be looked at fondly a And I think those bit. people put, were, yeah. play instrumental role in, in recasting it away from some of the language in these articles are saying he's not, he's like the usual of his class, you know, rough, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not fully negative, but yeah. rough and kind of anonymous and not very interesting. Yeah. Doing grimy work. And, and then authors just, yeah. recast them and war authors oh, recast them as being, that. Yeah. As, as being something collectively more than that. So that's a huge part of it. And I think intermingled with that is obviously the place this is happening. So we're not, we're post, we're colonial context. This is talking about an area that's been cut up under land system yeah. and sold and very systematically being turned into an agricultural landscape. And that's why there's so many men working yes, at this making point. this uh, Wurronga Basin and its channels. Yeah. And this Wurronga Basin in itself, I think, is an interesting 
backdrop here. And then I was trying to, based on descriptions of the where the body was found in the brand bag in the irrigation channel, narrowed it down using some survey records and other things. And, and the property owner's names, right? Yep, because yeah. it said it was found between Donaldson and McClarty's property, mm-hmm. X, uh, five, uh, three miles from Moronga Basin, and yeah. etc. And it wasn't in, in Tatura, but Tatura is the nearest large enough town and yep. Moronga Basin is obviously a big part in the murder as well. And so it's in Gigari East which is just the locality and mm-hmm. we managed to find it um, pretty much narrowed it down to a place near somewhere called Stock something or other. It seems to be a, a water feature it seems to be some sort of uh, depression of some sort that's maybe like a swamp or a wetland yep. and then just up just north of that there's some channels that that are near properties that were owned by names matching that description and the other thing that was in the the old reports was it was near a little bridge yeah but i guess the irrigation channels have lots of little bridges over them so that's a little bit less clear but yeah. it's certainly somewhere near heath road in mm-hmm. Kigari east might go check it out yeah to conclude pending a visit to waronga basin where i believe not to give too much of a spoiler but mm. i have actually been to waronga shores caravan park before yeah and they have a paddle pool um system Constructed in the shape of Victoria's irrigation system. Wow. That's built cool. for the 1988. That's totally cool. Doesn't really work on radio, does it? So, uh, otherwise, thanks to Digital Death Trip, we would never have thought anything about this murder that occurred in March 1905. Victim William Skinner, murderer Edward James. James, James Edward, the other yeah. way around. Mm-hmm. Hasn't left any kind of memory on the on the district as far as I know at all. No, it's not. It's not like it's defined the area or stuff like that. I guess they found a a folder they could put it under. Like that dude was a you know he had a bad temper, and they were all sort of uh, navvy tramping coat people, and and that let's not think about that again. And yeah. actually, even in the sentencing, the the judge said just t- uh, put it in a, a, exactly as a category of murders like this. Mm-hmm. So for example. The judge said this is pretty similar to the Strathmerton tragedy several years ago where Archer, a rabbiter, murdered his mate Matthews, sewed his body in a sack and threw it in the irrigation channel. It's pretty similar, yes. So a postscript. We went out to visit the Ronga Basin later that day, which is a very hot Australia day. We visited what's called Warunga Shores Caravan Park, which is where we think the workers' camp might have been in 1905. The Warunga Basin looks a lot like the sea, and it even has seagulls, but it also looks like what it actually is, which is a field that's been flooded. Warunga still feeds much of Victoria's irrigation system, which channels, pun intended, the very live politics of water rights, the environment, economics of farming, in the context of, for example, cut price milk, and the viability of small towns generally. I am now. Constructed by the Shah of Waronga, which dates of course well before 1990. So, but there's no water in the waterfront play. It has to be in the dirt, though. Yeah. Basically, because there's no, they've not chosen to run the water. Yeah. What do you think, Juliet? Of what? Of this place. Oh, good. There are actually lots of people here though. They're all people, um, it's Australia Day, so there's a few flags around. I can see about 15 different boats, uh, cars with boats. I'm not sure where the water could get, but one imagines it could be a lot higher than this. Yeah, but it's not like it would be 
see uh, some people in a little kayak out there as well. We also drove around the back roads of Warringah and Gigari East using old and new maps to search for the site where Skinner's body was dropped in the irrigation channel. We looked at descriptions of the scene and matched these up to survey property boundaries and we narrowed it down to an area near a reserve called Stockyard Plains. When we got there, we saw someone had strung up the bodies of dead hares, foxes and kangaroos along a barbed wire fence, including a fox's decapitated, decaying head staring out at us from this fence, which seemed pretty uncanny, a bit gothic, given why we were there in the context of a, a decapitation in 1985. Another postscript is that I found a little bit more genealogy information on the murderer or manslaughterer, decapitator, James Edwards. So his parents are definitely buried in Yay Cemetery. His sister, Joyce, who became Joyce Bryan, also lived and died near Yay. His brother, George, who apparently beat up his brother as a child and was also indirectly the source of his arrest, died in Calcairn, which is sort of near Holbrook, in New South Wales in 1935. And it's hard to be certain without doing better research, but it seems like James Edwards actually lived until 1941, which would make him in his 80s when he died. One thing I also thought we should mention is that a really obvious Australian poetry link to the story that we didn't make is to Banjo Patterson's Clancy of the Overflow, which was written in 1889 and it romantically contrasts city life with the life of an itinerant working man. It has the classic line, Clancy's gone to Queensland droving and we don't know where he are, but also for the drover's life has pleasures that the tones folk never know. And finally, the day after we visited Waranga and Gigari and, and did the um, other the main piece. Sarah happened to be reading a book, a compendium of American poetry, and includes one by Robert Frost called Death of a Hired Man. It was written in 1905, which is the same year as the Tatura tragedy, and what it does is it describes a farm couple and their strange relationship with an itinerant labourer called Cirrus, who periodically visits them to work, then disappears at inconvenient times. This time he's returned, but he's old, he's changed, and he's insisting he's there to do more work, even though it's obvious he's actually going to die. So the poem deals with um, itinerant work and labour in class, social change, old age, family, and what home means in that context. It seems to fit the time and the story of the Tatura tragedy pretty well. So to conclude this episode of Digital Death Trip, this must be the place, here's Robert Frost reading parts of his 1905 poem, Death of a Hired Man. When was I ever anything but kind to him? But I'll not have the fellow back, he said. I told him so last day, didn't I? If he left then, I said that ended it. What good is he? Who else will harbor him at his age for the little he can do? What help he is, there's no depending on. Off he goes always when I need him most. Mary confessed he said he'd come to ditch the meadow for me. Barra. Uh, but did he? I just want to know. Of course he did. What would you have him say? Surely you wouldn't grudge the poor old man some humble way to save his self-respect. He added, if you really care to know, he meant to clear the upper pasture, too. That sounds like something you've heard before. Warren, I wish you could have heard the way he jumbled everything. I stopped to look two or three times. He made me feel so queer to see if he was talking in his sleep. Poor Silas, so concerned for other folk, and nothing to look backward to with pride, nothing to look forward to with hope. So now and never any different. Warren, she said, he is 
come home to die. You needn't be afraid he'll leave you this time. Home, he mocked gently. Yes, what else but home? It all depends on what you mean by home. Of course, he's nothing to us any more than was the hound that came a stranger to us out of the woods, worn out upon the trail. Home is the place where when you have to go there, they have to take you in. I should have called it something you somehow haven't to deserve. I can't think Si ever hurt anyone. No, but he hurt my heart the way he lay and rolled his old head on that sharp edge chair back. He wouldn't let me put him on the lounge. You must go in and see what you can do. I made the bed up for him there tonight. Uh, you will be surprised at him how much he's broken. His working days are done, I'm sure of it. I'd not be in a hurry to say that. I haven't been. Go. Look. See for yourself. But, Warren, please remember how it is. He's come to help you ditch the medal. Goodbye.